You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and we're and we're live, and we're live. There we go. If only everyone knew how many moving parts go into this. <laughs> yeah, we just we look like we show up and do this every week. Yeah, but it's no. it's like we totally forget. <laughs> it's like our first time every time. Yeah. yeah. How many times can you be a rookie? For us, we're on ninety-two. <laughs> this is ninety-two <laughs> times, not counting our other podcast shows. Kind of made a name around it basically yeah yeah people come to expect us screwing this up so so we are I, recording uh, this episode oh go ahead man i was just gonna say i i i've recorded over 800 individual Dude. podcasts and i still Holy mess God. up okay every, yeah. making us feel better <laughs> every, all right every week or do something wrong every day or <laughs> so we're in good company of there you go schmucks yep so. Yeah, so we are recording this episode on August 14th, which means in Kentucky, we are within a couple weeks of season opening. Mm-hmm. And Lucky September, dogs. September 2nd. Yeah. Opening day of archery for whitetails. Is that a Saturday? It is a Saturday. Saturday. First whole weekend. Or f- yeah. Yeah. Kentucky, yep. First full weekend of September is when we crack it off. So I've been spending time out trying to get you know trees trimmed up checking trail cameras getting those situated so i don't have to go back in there in the next couple of weeks trying to let the woods rest um i got out this weekend and cut some limbs on a tree that i plan on climbing and hunting from and have a camera set up on to kind of see what's coming through there and i did a dry run with my saddle just to make sure that all the kinks were worked out before yep. i had you know everything else going on in my mind at the time. So, and I'm glad I did. There were a couple of things that happened. Um, get my sticks put back together. I snapped a strap that holds them together on my pack. So oh. there's some things like minor that oh, I have okay. to fix, but it was good. You know what, man? Like I've hunted for a while. 
I wouldn't say I've hunted a ton, but getting up in a saddle is the most fun mm-hmm. way of hunting that I've done so far. Way better than getting up in a, like a box stand or tree stand or climber stand. I just enjoy all the moving parts and getting all mm-hmm. the gear together and climbing the tree and getting up there. And uh, So I got up there and sat for probably 30 minutes or so and just kind of was testing my shot angles and figuring out what else I had to cut. It was just fun being up there, just sitting out, looking over the field, mm-hmm. listening to the birds. Yeah, especially knowing what you got on camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Coming through here soon. <laughs> that camera's been very active. Oh, uh, and boy. what's funny is I had planned to go out on Saturday to do this cleanup on that tree. And since I have a camera running on that tree, I've been getting some pretty sweet updates through the last few weeks. And the night before I was going, at 8 p.m., this buck walks, a shootable buck walks right through i mean maybe a 20 yard shot from that tree and so like it is kicked into overdrive for me i have i've switched my brain back from not really thinking about fishing did that with the kids this weekend it was about them catching some bluegill didn't really care if Mm. i caught anything (laughs) i have turned myself back to a deer hunter it's good all in welcome back (laughs) (laughs) glad you're here (laughs) (laughs) yeah no that's feels good though doesn't it oh dude it's yeah. Something about a big buck on a trail camera can get a, I don't know, guys fired up real quick. Yeah, yep. what you sent me uh, this morning, I imagine you're a little fired up over there too, Dan. Oh, yeah, man. So <laughs> I, got a, I don't think I showed you guys. Let me show well, you. Well, I got a question for Dan real quick before we get into this. Uh, do you have your horse tag? Because I saw that post. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that is a hey, stud. That is a nice buck. So... So funny story about those horses ever since I've hunted that property right now, it's been, man, it's been like 15 years. I've hunted that, this property. There's always been horses on it hmm. and slowly they're all dying. Okay. Mm-hmm. Some of these uh-huh. horses are between 25 and 30 years old. Wow. Okay. Um, and they've never been taken care of. I mean, what I mean by that is, the, the person will go out there and throw a salt lick out, but they just eat what's in the woods. They, they are not necessarily tame. Like if I had an apple and, and held it out, it would come up and eat it. But they're not like the friendliest horses. One day I'm walking out of, I'm, you know, I'm six foot tall. I'm at the time I was probably 230 pounds, if not more. And this horse came up behind me bit my backpack and picked me up off my feet <laughs> what at night walking out of the out of the woods excuse me <laughs> yep dude i would lose it did you hear it oh. coming oh yeah i heard it coming and i was probably like, felt like god just reached down and picked you up <laughs> oh, off dude. the earth and so like, this is it <laughs> and it here was, i go it was, a power move. it was a power move by the the lead horse it's this white white and brown horse it's the leader of the pack, uh, and it it goes like every time it sees me, it throws its tail up and it starts to stomp and 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 run laps around the pasture. I mean, it goes into the woods like in this perfect pinch point where you would think deer are just going to be coming through. What's standing there? Two thoroughbreds, you know what I mean? So two <laughs> two big horses. And, what a weird uh, hunting situation. When, when you hear hooves, you think deer, not horses. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they, they make all the <laughs> noises, and, and they're all, I don't know, 
but the thing that there used to be 12 of them, now there's only two left. And so every two or three, I think just two, but every, every year one dies and Mm -hmm. that just wherever it dies, it dies. And then you'll, you know, during either shed hunting season, I'll find a big pile of horse bones or this last year, one died right before the hunting season. And so this decaying carcass with vultures all over it and coyotes pulling at it, uh, just right there during the hunting season. And so the farmer that she's just kind of like, eh, uh, they're, you know, they're old, they're going to die. No big deal. That's weird, man. Yeah. It's like Mustang, tamed Mustangs kind of like they're just running around out there doing their thing. Jake had a horse one year come in while he's turkey hunting and just like walk up to his turkey decoys, kind of smell them a little bit and then just like bit them, threw them around, tossed them and then just like stared into the woods at Jake. Just like, I see you. (laughs) I know what you're trying to do here. (laughs) Is this, those turkeys are my friends. Is it a known horse that was known? Yeah. This property has horses on it and he was just hunting where. Same property, these horse, so you go in through the gate and you have two options. You can drive your truck in there or you can walk a long ways, right? And so my, not the truck I have now, but my old truck, if you left your windows open, they would pull at the seats, tear your seats up, uh, and they will take their teeth and they'll drag it across the hood of your vehicle. Oh gosh. And so my last truck- yeah, my my last truck had teeth drag marks all down the hood. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's like they yeah. knew how to like piss you off. Yeah. It's oh, like yeah, they like, But the thing about it is I would rather hunt with horses than with cattle because a a deer oh, yeah. a deer will walk through. I I was uh I was like 5 years ago when there was like uh, seven horses left. They were all, I was in a tree stand right next to a cornfield, like where this, uh, it was basically a staging area before they would jump into the bean field. And the horses were in the pasture right in front of me. And this doe group came out and walked right through them. And these doe, these horses didn't even lift their heads at them. Deer will not do that with cattle for some reason. Like the horses, like horses and deer are okay from my experience, but cattle and deer, they just don't mix. So there's a cattle farm right next to this, the farm where I'm planning on hunting. And it, there's a great kind of, I would say like a pinch point or a funnel of woods that come straight around this cattle farm over to the Creek where I'll be hunting. And I, I hear the cows all the time when I'm out there, mm-hmm. um, but I've never seen any sort of interaction between right. the cows at all. So they, right. they will literally just like skirt that field and not even try to go in with the cows. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's that's my experience. Now, with the horses, they just jump right in. And and I don't, know, I don't know what it is. These horses are way more aggressive towards other – like if a coyote comes into the field – the, the cattle will run away. These horses, they'll just turn and face it and stare it down. And the coyote knows I can't go take down a horse, right? And so they've learned throughout the years that a coyote is a problem and a, while a deer is not. And so, and I don't know why it is. Maybe it's just a horse is closer to a, a deer in, in makeup and than it is... A, 
you know, like bovine or whatever, whatever you call it. So I don't, I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Well, as long as they keep pushing the cows, keep pushing the deer towards me, I'm bringing on. You're a friend of the cows. Yeah. yeah. Eat more chicken. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I didn't mean to get us started on a whole tangent about horses, but there we go. Yeah, no, that was interesting. I just, I just saw never... Dan's post on Go Wild the other day of a trail cam picture of some horses. So. Yeah, <laughs> I missed that. That's funny, man. I'd never I heard. Mean... <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Taco Bell for years. Oh. <laughs> Jeez, that's dark. <laughs> so, Brady, you scouted? Yeah, dude. You got after it? Yeah, yeah. Phil's had a lot going on just in his life he's doing like kind of like how i did where i was like moved got married bought a truck new job like all that stuff in like the same six weeks he's kind of doing like a similar thing uh just all all kinds of stuff going on and so it's been tough for us to to get out together um and where we were wanting to go scout is like a place we hunt together i would not feel cool like going out there without him like we're both excited to check out a few things and so um finally got a morning and went out uh saturday to this we're, we've been hunting this place um, on public that we call the bowl and uh, Phil actually shot a buck in the bowl two years ago I shot a buck below the bowl uh, last year and um, so we're starting to kind of piece together like how the whole this whole ridge really like works and flows and we've scouted like you know south of the bowl east of the bowl north of the bowl we really like the west like all of all my pins and lines of of like routes and paths that i feel like deer are moving through stop pretty much like at this point west and been reading this you know brad herndon book the um scouting mapping mapping trophy trophy bucks bucks, i think is what it is and something about topographical whatever and so he talks a lot about like hunting benches and was explaining how and i just have heard multiple places like the big bucks aren't going to go you know especially early season aren't going to go spend a ton of time at scrapes they're going to you know use the thermals or wind or whatever to get down and and scent check them away from them and so the bowl has like a bunch of scrapes in it and we have pictures from the bowl of like you know just freak deer i mean we're like non-typical ridiculous looking giants and two years ago we you know it was just we were just trying to shoot deer right like out there trying to figure it out and you know we did that over the past two years but now we're trying to find these giants that are rolling through there and what this brad herndon guys kind of talked about is like finding the pinch points and all that stuff around um all these other you know terrain features or scrapes or rubs or whatever that we have figured out over the past couple of years found this on the map found this bench that is west of um, the bowl where we hunt. That's kind of like on the side of this really steep ridge. It's honestly very benchy as well. But um, so I was like, okay, well, looking at everything, it looks like they're going to have to roll through this bench. Like, man, we really need to go check out that area. So I drop a pin. And this was probably a month ago. Then talking to Phil about it, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Da, 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 da. And he goes back to his Onyx and found he dropped a pin five yards from where I dropped a pin on the same bench. And he also had a pin drop on another bench that he had found that I didn't see. So we're like, okay, we need to go check these out. And we basically decided we're going to drop in off this steep ridge, like really, really far west of where we've ever dropped in before on like where the bowl is. It's like basically almost on the like nose of this big ridge. And we're going to walk basically the side of it the whole way um, and see if we can stumble across these benches or whatever. And so we we do that. We get down in there, and, dude, it's just, like, 
just so steep and crazy and with all these finger ridges it's real nasty stuff that we were working through and it was fun getting through there and stuff but so we finally come up to where uh we had both dropped the pin on the same spot without talking to each other and uh we we get up to the top and look around and there is a logging road that had mm-hmm. been cut literally all the way up to like maybe you know three or four yards for where both of us had dropped our pin so we're like dang it you know, like looking around and, um, we decided to walk that logging road all the way down. And obviously there's browse line all the way along it. There's, you know, tracks everywhere. And I'm sure it's like doe movement coming through there. Um, but there were, um, some old rubs up above it, kind of up on like elevated area, um, from like where the logging road leads, but stops. So we kind of went up and scouted around in there. It looks like they're using that logging road to move through. And we're like, well, this is a convergence of or convergence of a bunch of different uh, trail systems. Like, so we dropped a, a cell cam there, um, and we're gonna keep an eye on that area. Remind me, I have a story about my uh, my trail cam, but I'll keep going. So then we were bummed that that bench didn't work out, and so we just kind of keep scouting along the side of this ridge, and we get to a spot where he had dropped that pin that I hadn't seen on this bench. And it is like, a, it's a true bench. I mean, it's legit and it's, but it's real thick and dark and like not, I mean, I don't know, never really hunted anything like that. Um, but obviously have never really t- tried to find and hunt like big deer. Like that's not something I've ever really done. So this is out of my comfort zone, but, um, there's like some sparse trails moving through there. You can tell just it's, it's something that if a deer is going to be trying to scent check downwind or down thermal of the bowl that we have, that we know is east of where we are, it makes sense that they would move through this area. And we kind of like walked it and found like there's trails that do exactly that. So we ended up setting what I called like a shot in the dark camera right there uh down in that bench that's kind of like watching over that area just to see like we both were like this is not what we normally do with a trail cam like a lot of time you're setting it where like you know you're pretty sure deer are moving through there you know like it's pretty obvious like there's a lot of you know a beat path or something like that but we're like we we've taken inventory out here already this isn't an inventory trail camera this is like us trying to figure out like the big buck movement and so we now we have two cell cams sitting along this ridge system that leads up to where we have like a ton of scouting hours and hunting hours and trail cam pictures and you know figured a lot out over on this side so we're hoping to kind of uh hone in on this 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 movement that's east of where we've been or i'm sorry west of where we've been hunting and maybe piece together the puzzle a little bit more but i was actually listening this morning to um um what's his name so it was tony peterson and um mark kenyon on wired to hunt and they were talking about how uh mark was talking about how if you have a puzzle and you like lay the puzzle out on the table it helps to have like corners and edges and then you start filling in the middle and he was talking about how like e-scouting and uh trail cameras and stuff are kind of like your edges and how like if we we saved ourselves a couple of bad or like fruitless hunts by going out there and figuring out like oh there's a logging road here this is totally different terrain than is what on, what's on onyx or what's on you know google earth like you can't even see it so you didn't see the logging road no until you were there. not there yeah not there anywhere that we could find so um you know that we did the e-scouting and and all that and if we'd have just gone off based off of that then we'd have gone out there and 
been like, oh, crap, and scrambled and had to find something else to go somewhere else, and who knows what we just screwed up at the time. So, um, yeah, it was good to try to, to put both of those things together. It's like e-scout and see what you can see, but then go out there and really make sure because, like, we – I felt really good about that. Like, if you'd asked me about that last week before we went out there, I'd have been like, yeah, we're going to – we're going to be hunting that bench pretty hard this year. And like, there's no way I wouldn't have done that, yeah. you know, spent at least a day or two, like trying to get out there. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a good trip. Any activity on that camera yet? Uh, just like empty pictures. Um, mm. and it rained immediately after we went. So I'm not like, I don't know. That's was, good. Yeah. Right. Like the scent is out of there and everything, but, uh, still don't have any deer pictures, um, from either camera. So I don't hey, know. I'm, I'm intrigued about this bowl that you're talking about. Yeah. Right. So he's going to try to get a pin drop. (laughs) I'll send it to you. (laughs) What direction is the low ground in this bowl? Because obviously in a bowl, the water's got to drain out somewhere. And usually that's like the gap in this bowl. Where, what direction is the low ground? Um, So it would be uh, south. Okay. South. So obviously anything out of the north would be an awesome you know, the cool thing about that bowl is that, and, and I, dude, you just described one of my favorite places to hunt and mm. uh, you have, you've, you have high ground all around you and yeah. thermals and really any wind direction. If you have a pulling thermal, let's say after the sun goes behind the ridge, the thermal switch, they drop down or on yeah. a morning hunt before the sun's up high enough, all the thermals are dropping down into one location. And yeah. in, in my experience, that location, whether it's an east wind or a west wind or a north wind, probably not a south wind, uh, but all those other ones, it may swirl around a little bit, but it's all yeah. exiting out of right. one one area. And right. so that is where the that is where I would put a tree stand typically. But yeah. my my question to you is does that logging road lead to the bottom of that that south part of that bowl where everything f- drains out? Um so that one that we found does not. There is one though um down below and that's where I shot my buck uh last year. So we okay. I shot mine like below it down. Actually, it was standing on a logging road when I shot it. Um, but the one Phil shot was actually like in the bowl. Like we were, we had both set up our saddles up there and he shot it, you know, like in amongst it. So, um, and there's, I mean, there's three scrapes within like 35 yards in there. I mean, it's just, it's wild. So, and that's where we've got the pictures of like three massive deer um like i've never seen deer in person this big they're huge have you seen zeus again no no never have and yeah i feel like you would have we probably would have heard about that deer getting shot we would have heard about that deer getting shot a thousand percent that that thing's a freak so and that's the thing is like trying to figure out you know how do you hunt that guy uh and instead of like you know, just seeing like there's deer all over the place back there, yeah. but like wh- where are the big guys moving through? And that's why I kind of like thinking through the mindset of like, okay, well, don't think about like what is their route going to the bowl? Like, because they're probably not. They're probably going south where he's talking about all the thermals dumping out. That's where they're going. They're trying to just they're trying to skirt down below. They're smart. They're not you know gung ho as much. You know, going up to the scrapes like the younger bucks. They're gonna go just breeze by and you know point to point kind of check things down thermal or whatever so we're trying to think more like that of like how is he going to be moving in order to do that 
Um, so I don't know, man. I, that's the thing about setting these cameras, like the two we just said, it's like, you know, I wasn't expecting to get a bunch of deer on, on camera from like, I'm hoping that if we can get just one shot of one of those big deer moving through there, then it's like, okay, pick the right wind and the right, right. you know, what yeah. thermal or whatever, and go give it a shot because, and you're not, you're not going out there to shoot a doe. I, I'm not dragging a doe out of yeah that where yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. Hey, yeah. to, don't discount yeah. does, man. Yeah. Like for me, I hunt doe groups. Okay. Ultimately doe groups are what's going to pull a buck in. Right? Yeah. If you can pattern a doe group mm-hmm. in this area, holy cow, yeah. man, that that would be amazing because ultimately late October or you know early November during this pre-rut pr- process, they're going to come in and scent check these does, and okay. that'll give yeah. you an idea. If that'll give you an idea of where these bucks are ultimately going to come, because right now, up until you know mid-October, they're going to do exactly what you just said. And they're going to stay downwind of all the terrain. They're going to use yeah. their nose to scent check entire areas. Like, I mean, yeah. h- like hundreds of acres are yeah. coming down into, or however big this bowl is, down into one area. You, f- you find the does and what the does are doing in that bowl or whatever, and you, you get on that doe group because eventually uh, the, the biggest, baddest buck, the most dominant buck in the area is going to be the first one to pick the doe the doe group and if you can if you can find that man that's such a a a huge leg up well so that's that's where the logging roads kind of come into play um and this is something mike larson talks a lot about is like the grid pattern the way that you know bucks move like perpendicular to way does move the does hammer these logging roads like they are beating up these logging roads that move like vertical up and down the side of this ridge obviously it's not like a hard and fast rule it's like they don't it's like but for the most part like if they're moving perpendicular that's why the theory of like okay bucks are probably moving um you know along the side of the ridge and there are paths going up and down from this bowl and stuff where like and i've seen it with my own eyes does moving up like up hills that i would not imagine like deer would go up but there's just beat trails um that they're using so yeah, I mean that that's definitely part of the story is like what what are the does doing? Um and part of maybe you know what that camera that we put on that logging road that's kind of like the convulsions of all those it looks like different trails and stuff like that. Um is that maybe we do get some doe groups on camera moving through there using that logging road. Uh I don't I don't really know, but just just trying to figure that area out. I mean, we really don't we have no hunting time out there. We now have one scouting trip over there like just I don't know, a lot of question marks about that whole area, but I feel like figuring that out helps us know how to actually hunt the area a lot better um, because it's the one, like, kind of missing piece to how we're thinking about how they're moving in the area. So Yeah, I, would, to me, that's – awesome. that's Good. <laughs> it, would be, it would be awesome to get multiple uh, trail camera pictures of shooter deer, and what I like to do is I like to lay a hard copy down – uh, whether that's on print it, you print it out or, or even you can just do it on like Onyx or whatever mapping device. You can just draw lines from point to point. Every time I've seen a deer, like, uh, this, this deer I'm tracking now, every time in the past three years, I've either encountered him or I have a trail camera picture of him. I draw, I connect all those dots and it, cre- it creates a shape. 
Mm. And then the center of that shape is where I try to find the best terrain feature within this shape or mm -hmm. surrounding. And that's where I plan up. And that usually is where these deer, you put in enough time in these locations by, by doing that. And you're, you're going to find just where all the deer, not just the buck you're after, but the, all the deer move. Hmm. They terrain is that way for a reason. All deer are not just does are using that logging road, but all deer are using that logging road. Maybe not at the same time, but they're deer are deer are an animal of least resistance, right? If they don't have to go through the thickest, nastiest stuff, they won't. And that's why that logging road is su it's such an ease of use for them. But eventually yeah. the bucks are going to come to that. And so that's where, that's for like, for me, I, I just love putting dots on a map, connecting all of them. And then within that is a terrain feature. And that, I mean, in 2018, that's how I killed my buck. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's great advice. I mean, I, I have seen with my eyes, bucks and does use the logging roads. I saw the, yep. the biggest buck I saw, I've seen in person to date. Um, he woke up not far from me and I like, he woke up looking right at me and I couldn't move. I couldn't get a shot. He was staring. I was just in it. I was shocked that he was there. Um, and he like kind of walked away and I, I never got a shot, but I watched him just walk out of my life literally right up that same logging road that I had seen a ton of does walk up. And I now know at the time I didn't know where that logging road went. I know where that one goes now. Um, and honestly, it seems like they're using it to kind of get back up into that ridge system, back up into those, that bowl type area. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just, I don't know before the logging roads were in the area, it was difficult to hunt that area. Now it's just like another variable in the equation of like, how does all this play together? And you know, it's, it just totally changes how you think of like how they move and stuff. So I don't know. I'm sure logging roads are going to keep being a big key for us um, hunting out there. It's just, I don't know, you know, how it comes into play with like, you know, what time does a big buck use a logging road versus the does and all this stuff. Uh, right. We just, we need some, we need some camera data. Honestly, we need yeah. a little confirmation. Um, but yeah, I feel like we're getting there. We're getting there. So, so what yeah. happened with your trail camera? Oh, okay. So yeah, I told the story of, of the one that got cut down on mm -hmm. the private property. Um, to, an update there. We found out from the guy I went to high school with who lives close by is there's a bunch of dudes that run dogs in the area. And because it's private, they get worried that when their dogs run out of the private, that if they get busted on camera, that, you know, farmers are going to come after them and all this stuff. So they'll just cut down the cameras to keep and take the SD cards to keep, which not cool. Uh, but I'm glad it's not somebody that's like trying to poach out there or something like that. Yeah. That was going to get a little dicey. It's like, I'm call not, Chris. <laughs> See if Chris knows. Me. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, I was all right with that. Um, but the, that's uh, unfortunate. yeah, I, I assume you're talking about Chris Powell. Yeah. Chris Powell yeah. did it. Yeah. yeah. From, from yeah. uh, Houndsman XP. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he talks about it all the time. It's yeah. like, like the, out of all the all the hunters, right? The houndsmen probably get the worst rap because yeah. there's not number one. There's not a lot of them, and then you got yeah. guys like that who, and, and I'm not sure what the what the law is where you guys are at, but you know, I think legally you can re go retrieve your dogs. Okay, right to retrieve. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the, right it seems like there would be in, in certain something states. Like that. I know, I'm I'm sure you have the right. I mean. Most most houndsmen, most 
respect, you know, the, the houndsmen that are respectable, they'll go to the landowner and just be like, Hey, listen, my dog yeah. got on your property. Can I go get him?" Yeah. just as a courtesy? But yeah. when you got guys stealing trail cameras, man, if that is in fact who it is, man, that right. just sucks. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I, I can't say it's for sure. You know, right. like I don't know that for a fact, but was that I'm, a cell camera? It was, yeah. Oh, yeah. You were saying you thought he might have approached. So it from he behind. didn't. Yeah, he didn't steal it. He just took the SD card out and cut it off the tree. So I, I, I wouldn't don't know. be okay with that. I'm not oh, okay with be, it, yeah. but I, I'm <laughs> preferring that yeah. if there's a if there's a raccoon hunter running through the area at night, I'm not worried about. Like it doesn't. I'm not as worried about that as I am as, oh my gosh, this has been a lease hunting property in the past. It's not anymore. Yeah. Are there, is there some disgruntled fella that's yeah. coming out there scouting, trying to, and I'm going to run into him in the morning and I already know he's a tool yeah. if he's poaching on somebody <laughs> else's property. And now I'm on someone else's property that I'm not willing to die for. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so that was kind of the scenario in my head when I found out it was the dog guys. I was like, I mean, sucks, but i'm all right, i'm all right with that compared to having to get into a scuffle or something so but anyway the update on the camera was where it fell down it was opened uh the latch was open on like where the control panel is on it or whatever so it wasn't waterproof i'm like ah shoot like i could see some of the water had kind of gotten into the camera like lens a little bit i could see there was water kind of pouring out of the battery port i'm like ah this thing's probably toast i let it kind of dry out took put all the rice. stuff out of it yeah put it in a bag of rice no <laughs> Uh, not a bad idea. I don't know. But so the problem was I, so it had been sitting in my gear room for, you know, a week and a half or something. And I took it out Friday night before we were going Saturday just to see like, maybe I can get this thing working again. And I, you know, how you put that little SIM card in for Verizon or AT&T or whatever. I, I went to pop that out and with the SIM card came like a bunch of water out of that little yeah. port. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, if it was going to work before, it's definitely not going to work now. So I dried everything off, got it all cleaned up inside there, and uh, called Phil, told him about it. He's like, well, I have the I have another AT&T card for mine that we could probably put in there. I'm like, okay, we'll see how it goes. I leave, I leave it overnight and let it dry some more and wake up the next day and run a test through it. And, dude, it works perfectly fine. Really? I was like, I, I, I could not believe that after all, like, it is not designed to be waterproof inside of all that. It got rained on I don't know how many times. And it still works great. Um, so uh, that's a, a Tacticam. It's the Reveal XB, which they don't sell anymore. It's like, I don't know, they kind of combined all their cameras down to, like, two, I think, I think it it's, is. Yeah, the, the X2 now, I think. Yeah. And then I can't, I don't know. There's a Pro. The Pro, yeah. Yeah. But it's, yeah, no, I've been really happy with it. So that was a a testament to it actually, like, handling some weather and stuff. Have Uh, you had ants get into one of them yet? I haven't. No, I've I've heard it's I've had a couple just get nests of ants inside of them, and they're they're done. It cooks them? Like, you can't use them? Yeah. Or they just get in the batteries? I use them once ants, like, uh, I, most of the trail cameras that I run are Exodus. And so they get ants in them all the time because their bottom little moisture hole is big enough for an ant to crawl in and I get ants nests, but it doesn't usually kill the, hmm. kill the camera. Yeah. The ones I've had, it's, it fried both of them. Yeah. Just opened it up and shook it out. And I haven't ran cameras in quite a few years, but when I did, I'd 
occasionally we get ants in them and like it wouldn't fry it but it's just like going to check that camera and this is before cell cameras are real big so you'd actually have to go out there and pull the cards and everything but just opening the camera up and getting it was such a hassle because you're covered in ants yeah. now Falling and, out. yeah it's yeah. never fun well i wanted to hear a little bit and talk a little bit about your whole bow setup dealio because i think maybe I mean, it's some, a, it's some a quick lefties, story. it's a quick story but it's i think maybe story. some people might learn a few things from it yeah so i mean the the quick uh Spark Notes version of the story is I shoot a heavier arrow, arrow to start with. My bow was shooting fine last season. Got my bow out a few weeks ago to go shoot it to you know start shooting it or whatever with you and i was actually trying your release because i was thinking about switching up releases and because you forgot your release that day yeah well <laughs> i didn't know that until after i decided thinking I, about switching yeah. releases. well no i, I no, shot really his was. and hated it and he can attest to it he was there i fired a couple arrows with it and i'm like no i this is i know there's going to be a bit of a learning curve here it would take getting used to a new release but i hate this so much right now that i'm not willing to do this um, so not, I was like, not a thumb release guy. Yeah, so I was like, I'm sticking with my normal, you know, strap on the wrist and the caliper trigger style release that I use. And um, so then I go into my bow case and I can't find my release. I'm like, well, all right, guess I'm done shooting for today. You but, have to watch me shoot for a little while. But what was going on, the few times I did shoot, and I, I was trying not to look too into it because I was using his release, but my arrows were hitting super low. And to a little more info i had actually lightened my arrow up slightly not a whole lot but i was just using a lighter grain field tip and i'm like why are my arrows hitting lower and I, there's a couple explanations for that you know the trajectory of the arrows now changed because the arrow is lighter coming off the bow and stuff like that shoot with my release a couple days later same deal they're shooting real low and i'm like what's going on here and i had the theory but i threw it out on go wild just to see if what other people thought too but my my theory was that my d loop had moved on my string and took it to the pro shop that's absolutely what happened um we got it realigned and everything secured it on there went ahead and got a new site also i was wanting to do that um got the new site on the bow got this new site sighted in bow shooting great now and i went back to my original weight arrow anyways so so the confidence is back with the bow. I've been shooting about every evening, um, getting that new sight just dialed in. Uh, That's the last piece of the puzzle for me. I got to mm -hmm. get out and shoot some more and be comfortable with that. Yeah, I got the. I went with the Trophy Ridge uh, React H4, and it's got the technology whatever in it where like you get your twenty and your thirty yard pin sighted in, and then your forty and your fifty because it's an H4, so four pin. Your 40 and your 50, in theory, are supposed to be spot on after you get those first two set. I've only been shooting 20 yards because um, I do most of my shooting at the firehouse because I spend most of my life at the firehouse. And where in the back parking lot that we have, this one little area to shoot my bow at safely, I can't really go past 20 yards. Yeah. Um, so I haven't been able to get out to the range here close to the office that we'll go to to shoot 30 yet. Um, yeah. But And it, it also kind of works in reverse, too. Like when you – they say when you shoot – 40 and 50 it dials in your 20 and 30 a little bit tighter mm -hmm. yeah as you as you yeah. get that more honed at 40 it, yeah. it tightens it yeah yeah well i'm excited to get my bow back yeah like a week yeah i probably got another week he said it might have been he might it might be sooner but i'm not holding my breath because i waited till like everyone else waits <laughs> to take theirs so well i think when you get it back we need to go over to that other range in j-town because it's a lot nicer than the one over here at sawyer mm. Newer bags, 
Did you all hear or know that there's one in the Parklands now? Oh, in Cherokee? Or no, no, no. That's the one I'm talking about in J-Town. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, you said Parklands, and I instantly... Went to Cherokee? Went to Highlands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's that's what I'm talking about. That's Okay. Out at, um, I just heard about this one a few a week or two ago. I didn't know it was out there, if it's Hopefully. new or... Yeah. yeah. It's know. nice. It's really nice. It hasn't been run through yet. Uh, mm. The one over here, we've even witnessed some people out there with crossbows shooting them that aren't supposed to be, and they just, just the bags are all shredded. Oh, one yeah. of them's literally shredded in half. I mean, we ground. don't even shoot the no. actual targets that they have. I haven't. This one, we I just bring have. our own blocks. Yeah. Just use the space, but. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, that's the bow story. It's close. I'm excited. Yeah. I can't yeah. wait. I've been, so, I mean, I'm as excited about deers everybody else here but i've also been putting in quite a bit at work and effort um here locally on our early goose season i've been yeah that's out looking mid september september 1st first uh, yeah day before archery opener for the western zones and that's what i've been i've been kind of out i wouldn't say scouting but when i've been out in that area keeping an eye out for geese and i've marked a few properties on onyx i've sent a few letters waiting for some response in the mail do you handwrite them no. Oh, so okay. I, I type up kind of a specific to the area letter, and I'll usually mm -hmm. send that same letter to multiple landowners in okay. that area. But then I'll just go in and edit each one to where it's got, like, their name and yeah. address. And I might throw in a few little things that are specific to those properties. And then I hand sign all of them, and nice. then I hand write the actual, like, address and everything. Drop in some stickers and love yeah. letters. <laughs> <laughs> free hats. Yeah. yeah. yeah free hats. <laughs> So, got, you know, I'm waiting waiting for some responses from there. I had one round go out, I think it was on this last Friday, and then I got another round in the mail this morning. So Nice. Indiana Squirrel opens up today. A lot of people are getting lined up for that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fired up for <laughs> it. Dang, man. No, Shade. no. No, I, I love squirrel hunting. He can't deer hunt for a while after we can. Yeah. So he's got to do something. No, yeah. I love squirrel hunting. It's super fun. And then we I have a goose just, season coming uh, up. I passed a, a new law recently where the raccoon is open season all year now. Oh, interesting. So there's more no, turkeys? <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope so. I mean, yeah. uh, of all the wildlife biologists that I've talked to in North America, the raccoon is the most overpopulated animal in North America. Mm -hmm. Huh. Interesting. They do I had a, a yodi. damage. Yeah. I had a yodi yipping in my backyard last night. Mm -hmm. You're the only one that gets that perspective that of that's... where my neighborhood is. Yeah. But it's... Yeah. They're everywhere, man. <laughs> yeah. They don't mess around. <laughs> well, they're... I have seen them in the area, but yeah. they are like in my backyard. That's that's crazy. That's another level. Yep. Well, cool. Well, deer season is. I'm gonna call it upon us. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. A bunch I mean, of, we're shooting bunch our bows, more. getting cameras, looking it's at deer season chatter. Yep. Yeah. And I'm and looking for goose, and I'm headed back down to Tennessee tomorrow for more bear scouting. So. Yeah. It's time. Things are about to start getting real busy for, for yeah. me. And for, for people that listen regularly, you probably notice that we run, like, a pretty significant, like, three, four-week delay on our shows, like, through the summer and stuff like that. Just for us, like, we have other jobs and stuff. So, uh, <laughs> But getting close to deer season here, we've actually got it down to where we're only uh, a week ahead. And so we're going to try to – and we're going to try to keep it, you know, a little bit tighter so that we're not talking about, like, early season stuff when y'all are in rut and all that. Mm -hmm. So we're going to try to get it down maybe even a week of, um, you know, during rut and stuff for us. So that's the plan. If if Lord willing and the creek don't rise, we'll uh, we'll keep with it. But. 
Well, Dan, thanks for joining us this episode. Thanks everybody out there listening. Make sure you get into Go Wild, log this podcast, get your points. Uh, tons of, you know, there were some shirts that we released with Gunbroker that disappeared off the shelves. Yeah, they were gone. instantly. So there's going to be more stuff like that dropping soon. So get those points, cash in those rewards, and we'll see you all next week. Later. Thanks, y'all. Later, guys. <laughs>